Now, now you really can't go. We're ready. You take it away, buddy. All right. Welcome to Grace Unfolding. My name is Jonathan Buckley. I'm here with Pastor Troy Albee. Hello. Thanks for joining us, folks. Yeah, today we're going to continue our conversation from last time, touching on sharing our faith and um, kind of the, the broad outworkings of evangelism in our lives. Um I think that we touched on that a little bit. We're going to do part two today, and then probably what we're going to do is add a third part to kind of defending our faith uh, maybe later on. Oh, yeah, at least a third part. At, at least a third part, part. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is a long uh, conversation to be had. And so. we're going to shape it, right? So if people, if people write in or grab us at church and say, hey, here's some examples of places that I need help or guidance or ideas or, you know, just, just something creative that, or even objections. Like, there are obviously people that you've already maybe had uh, brief or in-depth conversations about uh, Jesus, the Bible, following Christ, and, you know, you're kind of puzzled and you want to know how to respond. We'd love to take up some of those questions, but I do think we have some listener feedback. Uh, yes. So thanks um, to Marilyn Baker for writing in. Yes, thank you, Marilyn. I'll read a, a brief snippet of her email here, uh, and we always encourage you guys to write in with your thoughts, and we've, we've mentioned that several times. But uh, Marilyn writes... The the other thought, which really was my first thought, is that the only way to learn to share your faith is to just go ahead and do it. Like the Nike slogan, just do it. In my experience, the Holy Spirit will refine your technique, will grant you opportunities, will soften your delivery, will shower you with grace which will enable you to proceed specifically with each soul you seek to awaken to the mercies of our God. Wow, that's really well put. John, I don't know. Maybe it sounds like uh, Marilyn needs to come on the show and our podcast, and we can interview her about some of her experiences, because that was really, really well put. What do you think? I am totally for that. Great. All right, Marilyn, there's your open invitation. We Other people, uh, we, your invitation is to you, too. If there, if there's stories and, and ways that uh, you might want to share or questions that you want to dialogue about with on the podcast, we, we would welcome you to come. So, again, thanks, Marilyn. I think that one of the things that I like about that is she highlights that we're doing it um, with the power of God's Spirit. Amen. Um, but there's times when we find ourselves, even with the Spirit of God living in us, that we are unwilling or we find ourselves unable. And we talked about that some last time, just some of the inhibitors, uh, some of the reasons that we don't share the faith, or what we don't talk about our faith in Christ. One of them I think you even you even maybe touched upon, Jonathan. Can you recall? Yeah, so I, I talked a little bit about how... Um, like for me, it's not so much that I don't have the the answers or the defenses that I'm scared of of what the person might say. The way this works in my life has been just, you know, over the course of of a conversation, you kind of in order to introduce the gospel to a, a non-believer, you kind of have to um, rock the boat. You kind of yeah. have to. And I know we all feel that way as Christians, especially if we're convicted with um, convicted with, you know, being obedient and to sharing a faith and and yet we have find ourselves in in the course of a conversation that's going you know smoothly and and there's no rock in the boat so for me it's 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 do i really want to introduce you know concepts such as sin and and um and Jesus is the only way to right, God. Jesus is the only way and, and you and how you know the, the people in my life think that we're all good but but the scripture says that we're that nobody's good so like all these things would in my mind would derail a, a, a normal um, a pleasant conversation into and but and, and so that's hard especially when you're convicted 
and, and pray for people to have the opportunities um, to hear the gospel. So, so just outworking and, and kind of just um, of, of my thoughts has been that, um, that it's, it's just don't rock the boat. Like, yeah. like so that's, that's what are some other reasons that you, you've heard or you've encountered with people that are, you know, inhibitors to them sharing the, the gospel. Yeah. So I think we were talking to your daughter, Natalie recently, yeah. and she was mentioning that she, she might just not, not have the answers to these, to the objections. Yeah. She's, she's concerned that there are times when someone might ask a question and she would be kind of caught off guard or, you know, feel like she's insufficient in trying to, to answer them, whether it's an objection or whether it's just, you know, a curious inquiry. And, and maybe this is a, a point for us to kind of get into the practical um, but that that's a good question and an honest one. And I, I would say that uh, you don't have to have all the answers. It's okay to say, I don't know. When someone says, hey, you're a follower of Jesus. What do you think the Bible means when it says this? Or why, why do you believe this? Or, you know, tell me something about the Trinity. That doesn't make any sense to me. Say, look, that's a good question. You can affirm that. You, you can acknowledge it and say, frankly, Here's my first answer, but I've, I know there's there's sources and places that I can go to get better answers. So there's almost the humility of saying, I don't know, doesn't mean that you're saying there isn't a good answer. Right. I think that in a world where everybody has the answer to everything and everybody knows everything, imagine how... how um, how nice it might hear for somebody to say, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the answer Let is. Let me get back to you. Let me get back to you. <laughs> well, but we want, we also want to have these pithy, short, Twitter size answers yeah. to things. And if we have a relationship with someone, you ask them, hey, be patient with me. I, I, I'd like to explore that topic. Um, would you, would you kind of in, enter into a journey with me to try to discover that? Yeah. And, and like, uh, I'm, I'm thinking off the top of my head, as much, you know, in the course of your day, as much as you know about auto keys. Yep. Right. Is there yeah. ever times that you don't have the answer to something? Absolutely. So that's what I mean. Is like we is 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 don't be afraid to engage in a conversation about something just because we're not sure if we have all of the answers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you, you you may discover something refreshing and insightful in the search because um, when you're when you're when you, when you go to find those answers, you may discover some some rich truths um, yourself. Other reasons that I I know I've heard of over the years why people are reluctant to share. Um, it's just fear of rejection, and um, and, and you know it, it is. It can be a letdown. It can be it can be discouraging. Sometimes it's apathy. You know, other times it's a, a lack of of opportunities. Uh, but sometimes I would even add an asterisk to that and say it's a it's a lack of perceived opportunities. Correct. Because if yeah, because if our if our radar is on, there will be people in our lives that we uh, can share the gospel with. I know that. You know, I think in other parts of the country, less so is the case in New England. But there's times when people don't share the gospel because they simply don't know any non-Christians. And it's very hard for me as a New Englander to believe that. Yeah, it, it's sure very it's true. true. There, there are places, you know, I, there's places that I used to live where there were children, young, young, young people, where their parents are believers, their relatives are believers, their cousins, right. their classmates, um, the kids on their soccer team, fill in the blank. Um, Less obviously so uh, the case here here in New England. You, there's there might be plenty of people, but 
you know, you, you can develop kind of an isolationist, ah, that's, that's too strong of a word, but you, you can just find yourself, uh, you know, over the course of time where you don't have as many touch points and, you know, genuine relationships and friendships with, with, uh, with people who don't share the faith. Um, so there's, there's a reason, there's another practical outworking is praying for those opportunities, praying for those relationships. Yeah. Um, and just getting people in your life that I, yesterday I was talking with Krista about, it would be nice if I could find another running partner. Um, you know, and because over the years, that's been one of the ways that I've had some really rich, robust opportunities is through different uh, training partners that I've had that, you know, men that I go running with um, and long conversations uh, about the gospel. Yeah. Are you trying to ask me something right now? Because I'm not interested. Okay. Well, you know, maybe somebody else who doesn't know the the Lord, I can build a relationship with and start trying to go running with. Jonathan, you're not up for running. No, no. Maybe you could, you know, maybe you can have a dog walking partner or, you know, what you fill in the blank. Um, there, there are things that we have that are going on naturally in our lives. Right. That if we involve people in it, or just that person that you see on the sidelines at your kid's basketball game. Like, striking up a conversation, building a friendship. Um, so there's people that are not yet in your life or on the periphery. There's people that are definitely already in your life. Um, that if you begin praying for them, you may see, you know, an opportunity, a question uh, asked, yeah. a topic that arises. I think I'll add here, so once you have that relationship formed, right, once you have these running partners or, or basketball coach friends, um, is it, and I think you know where I'm going with this, is it enough just to to show them the, um, your good works and, and not mention, uh, no. and not, what's, the, what's the Francis uh, Yeah, quote? I think it's St. Francis of Assisi that many people attribute this quote to. They say, you know, preach the gospel and use words if necessary. Yeah. Um, and so, I get, so form those relationships, form those those um, life uh, friendships, and then let you know your friendship and your good works kind of um, show them the gospel without mentioning Jesus. Yeah, and I think that there, I understand the spirit of that, and sure, and I, I sure. want to honor that because one of the things that I talk about is just presence evangelism, which is being salt and light, um, being a person who's loving and humble and forgiving and diligent and honest and has integrity. Uh, just a person that shows compassion. You know, it, it's amazing how there are a lot of people that enjoy talking but not listening. Mm-hmm. And when you're a person who asks good questions and listens to those around you who are struggling, that means a lot. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, the sentiment I understand, but I think it's still insufficient to say that. It, it, it would be a... You're saying preach the gospel and use words if necessary, and and the words are always necessary. I mean, you know, the Romans, uh, the Apostle Paul says clearly in Romans ten that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So, you know, the 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 fruit of uh, the word of God being shared is planted is fruit, and without that, you, you don't have a seed. You just have, you know, relationship, which is a good start, which is a a great place. It's a necessary start too. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Yeah. You know, almost always necessary. There are exceptions to that, um, but by and large, it's in the context of relationship. And so, building that relationship and gaining a hearing, um, I think that when we express the love of Christ to others through things like hospitality and love, like I said, listening, compassion, kindness, then that's helping people. Um, this kind of goes along the lines of I'm kind of you know jumping into the subject of really what is a definition of evangelism. 
Um, and off the top of my head, I would say that a, a definition of evangelism, just the, the essence of it, without getting into to more detail, the essence of it would be to share the good news of Jesus Christ in the power of God's Spirit um, with other people, you know, um, in our lives. You could take that further, and, and, I, and I would, because... Um, you know, there is, you know, in those, maybe, maybe um, you know, another level would be just the proclamation where we're spreading the good news. The objective in that is that people would actually hear us and understand. Um, right. So we're not just talking about God, God neutral, right? Like, I'm a person of faith. Are you a person of faith? Well, that's breaching the subject, but is that going far enough? What do you think? No. How come? Is, is that going far enough? Because you, you, ideally in our lives, we want to get into, you know, who is the object of our faith? Yeah. If you're just saying, hey, I have faith. I'd love for you to have faith too. Great. But what's the object here? What, what, is, the, what is it really that we're latching onto by faith? Because if we don't bring Jesus into the picture, the person and the work of Jesus. And notice the difference there. The person of Jesus and the work of Jesus. That's that's powerful. That's where the then that and using God's word uh, in those conversations is important. You know the full orbed full orbed evangelism. I want to use this definition here um, of persuasion because really we're trying to make disciples. We're not just it wouldn't be unsuccessful if we if we did share uh, just a verse with someone, right? Correct. Like we agree. would say that's a fruitful. That's a that's a positive. Uh, successful because evangelism, part of evangelism is just being faithful. So that our faithfulness, and then it's God who brings the fruitfulness. It's God who's the one who changes hearts. It's God who who opens people's eyes. Uh, so God's it wouldn't the be one who grows the seed. That's right. God's the one who's going to water it and grow it by the power of His Spirit and the means that He would He would so desire to open hearts and persuade minds and change lives. Now, if I if you're if you're at work, John, and you find someone who's discouraged, um, and you say, "Hey, you know what? I was reading a devotion this morning, a great verse," and you share with them a verse about hope from God's Word, is that evangelism, and is that is that faithful? Yeah, absolutely. Did they convert and follow Christ and say Sunday morning, "I'm going to meet you at church"? No, no, and they don't need to. But you're taking well. One, they do need to. They do ultimately. If, if, if we were to say a full-orbed uh, fruit of evangelism, that's faithfulness in evangelism. But the fruit of evangelism that right. we're praying and hoping for is that people will be persuaded. How do we know this? Well, let's just go back to Jesus. Remember, Jesus, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, has already been raised from the dead. He's yet to ascend to the Father. And he says to his disciples and to us that all authority in heaven uh, has been given to him. Uh, and he is commissioning us to go and to make disciples. And it says there, to go and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. So th- there's, there's the full picture, right? What, what, are the, what are the essential elements? That we would go, which means that we're talking, we're initiating, we're relating, we're in the context of relationship. So there's part of it. The other part is that you would be, you know, teaching them more about the person and work of Jesus and that you would be baptizing. Those people would be actually brought into 
the fellowship of the church. Because it's not enough to see people converted. And by the way, the great thing is, is that over the years, I've led people to Jesus, and they're not in our church. And that's okay. Sure. That's okay. Or they were for a season, and then they moved on. You know, God moved them out of state, let's say. Mm-hmm. I've got people that I shared the gospel with when I was on vacation. They wrote me back. Thanks for that. Thanks for this information. Thanks for, th- and one of the bits of information I'm going to give them is here is a faithful Bible preaching church in your community. Get plugged in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that would be, like that. If I'm going to see my job through to the end, so to speak, it's that people would be enfolded into, going back to the theme of our podcast, the unfolding um, of grace. It's it's that they would be folded into the fellowship of. Uh, a local church. And it has to be a PCA church, right? No, it does not have to be. <laughs> Doesn't have to be our denomination. No. That's that's for sure. Um, and that's one of the beauties of, of the kingdom is that we believe there's many gospel preaching uh, churches and uh, we not enough in New England. Not okay? enough. No. Not enough. Not enough in New England. Uh, but there are others and we're glad to partner with them um, in the gospel. Can we go back to reasons for sharing the gospel? If I ask you, John, I know this is off the cuff, but what would be what would be a reason that you have found yourself compelled to share or to 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 pepper into your conversation something about Jesus and the gospel? Uh, because I I care about somebody. Yeah. Because I I want you know I see I think I mentioned this briefly last last time, but like you see somebody experiencing just pain and, and misery caused by sin and 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 and. Um, and like a life, you know, it's enslaved to it. enslavement to their passions or whatever they're they're And so like you see that and 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 like I said last time, like, you know, you, you have the answer and, and 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 they need the answer. And so it's like it's kind of like. I mean, it's not like sales, but it kind of is like sales because you the idea, at least I'm finding out with my new job is that is that um, you don't like bully somebody into buying something or, 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 you know, beat them into submission. Pressure them. You have a solution to a problem that, that they, that they, um, that they are dealing with. So, so just over the course of, you know, sharing my faith with people that I see suffering and that I see, um, bogged down in sin and, and, and enslavement, like you said, the reason I want, the reason I want to share my faith is because I know it saves. Yeah, they would experience freedom and joy and peace, peace with God, a relationship that we're all made for. We're all made to worship God. And to to see someone come to find their maker and to worship him, that's that's fulfilling a purpose that's far greater than, you know, bench pressing X amount of weight or losing this amount of weight or discovering, you know, you know, a new a new pathway to financial peace or whatever. All of those things, people long for those kind of things. But what if they were to consider a relationship with God? And you're saying, out of compassion, I want them to know God. I want them to know the same Savior that I know. A great verse, Chris and I, early on in our marriage, and I, I started I started learning how to share my faith thanks to the church that I grew up in uh, at a very early age um, and, and, and experiencing some of the freedom of realizing at one point, I think in college, I kept thinking, oh, it's on me. Like, if I'm a salesman for the gospel, then there's obviously nothing wrong with the product. If people don't convert and follow Jesus, it must be me. <laughs> and now I, I'm, I'm free. 
because I know that it's in the power of the Spirit. It's my, it's my faithfulness. He's the one that can bear the fruit and change lives. I don't have to change their mind. I, I'm going to make an argument. I'm going to seek to persuade. I'm going to try to model it in such a way that people find it appealing um, to follow Jesus. But at the end of the day, and I'm going to use God's word, and that's where the real power is. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I'm free. I, I don't have to be burdened with thinking I'm a failure and, you know, God's, you know, disappointed in me. I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm planting seeds, as we talked about last time. Let me, let me share a verse. This is a verse that Chris and I, um, when, we, when we thought about the nature of our marriage, we wanted it to be about the love of God and, and ministry. You know, not that we would just come together for the sake of our own selfish purposes, but that we would be forged together as a better team. Um, and sometimes we do that teamwork really well in evangelism, you know, by God's grace, whether it's showing hospitality or serving people or listening to people. That one of the things that goes back to the, the question of motivation um, is love. And I love this verse that Chris and I really kind of anchored is, is something beginning in our marriage. Second Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him mm. who for their sake died and was raised. I love the NIV on that one because it says the love of Christ compels us. Um, does that make sense? Like you're saying it's it, there it says controls, but other ways of understanding and translating that is in verse 14. This is a great passage to meditate on. 2 Corinthians 5.14 all the way through the end of um of the chapter is a great place to go and uh, and dig in on what God's word says about this because at the close of that he talks about how God sent Christ on a, on a mission and that we're joining with that in the ministry of reconciliation. I love the close of it. He says, "Therefore we are because we have this message of reconciliation, meaning people are estranged from God." People don't have peace with God. You could be the person that would, in the love of God, share about your hope in Christ. They discover Jesus. They have peace with God. And he says this at the close. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So... What are we? What are we doing? We're 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 being messengers and ambassadors. God could use us, and then we get to experience part of the joy. And I have, I've I've had I've had opportunities to lead people to Christ, and and, and to witness that is to see the power of God at the fifty yard line, and and to watch the electricity and the joy and the victory and the power of God at work in a way that you know really honestly far surpasses any concert or championship game mm-hmm. that I've ever been to. Of course, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and you could say, well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of times that that hasn't worked, Troy. You know, you you went and you showed up. Yeah, but it, it's a, it's the same thing with with other steps of obedience. Whether it's committing to going to the Lord's house with his people to worship on on Sunday, whether it's opening up the Bible, you could say, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to get anything out of it. This isn't going to work. You could be closed off and cynical and, you know, even apathetic. But just by being there, something happens. God shows up 
And he said, I mean, there's been times I could say dozens, and I'm not exaggerating of times, that I found myself to be a reluctant evangelist. That shocks me, but go on. Well, I, honestly, there have been times I've been sitting on a chairlift or waiting in a doctor's office, um, you know, or, or I'm talking to, you know, an old friend that I run, I've run into, and I sense this prompting where a subject comes up. Someone talks about feeling, um, you know, f- feeling anxious. And, and I say, you know what? That's when God says, you know, wait, share that verse. Share a verse, Troy. Talk about what God's done in your life. I'm like, oh, man, I don't... Going back to you, I don't want to rock the boat, man. I just want to like be done. I just wanted to. I just want to go back to reading my own, you know, stuff or you know, yeah. listening to my music. And then, and then God kind of says, "No, no, Troy, this is someone who needs to hear some good news today." <sighs> okay. Wait. So, you're, well, kind of what you're saying is that it's not always out of an, uh, an um, overflowing of desire that you you deeply want to. Um, at this moment, share your faith. It sometimes sharing your faith will come over the course of just obedience, and of I know that you know that I should be sharing my faith with a such person, sharing a passage with such a person. So it's not always just out of an abundance of joy and 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 um, desire to share the gospel with this person. That there also is an occasion where obedience comes into play and, and and boldness and taking a step that you don't necessarily want to take. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But that is true with a number of things in the Christian life. And I remember kind of stumbling across this, and it was part of a John Piper quote when I was in college that talked about the nature of duty and the nature of delight. Because mm. he talks about, he has a great book called Desiring God, and then he even has written articles on things like what to do when you don't desire God. And I think that, that, that taking those steps of faith, the number of times that I could point to that it did not begin, okay, it didn't begin with delight, it didn't begin with, with joy, it didn't begin with enthusiasm and excitement, it just began as sheer duty. Mm-hmm. Is that a sufficient motivation for evangelism? Um, it, it's, it, it is... A true motivation, I don't know that it's a long-standing, long-term, sufficient one, right? So I would say, what happens, though, when you begin with duty and it turns into delight? Mm. Okay? But let's think about it at a very base level. Every Christian, a true converted follower of Jesus, every Christian is a growing Christian. We have seasons of dryness. We have seasons, maybe, of discouragement and doubt. But if we are... We're, we're, we're growing. We're making decisions to grow. We say we pick up the Bible. I don't feel like picking up the Bible. I don't feel like reading. I don't feel like praying. But honestly, if I just do it out of discipline and duty, the number of times I can point to that I later said, oh, I'm really glad I did that. <laughs> you know, that he changed it. He actually converted it into a delight. I mean, I, honestly, I've never spent time... Ten minutes praying, which I sometimes write my prayers out to focus my, you know, to focus my energy, and I, I, it's not uncommon for me to pray for God to give me opportunities to share the gospel. But I'll pray for needs, or I'll, I'll pray prayers of thanksgiving and confession. Have you ever gotten John at the end of, of praying, and you think to yourself, "Now that was a waste of time." No, no, no. Not every time do I read the Bible or pray do I walk away saying, "Oh, my heart is just." You know, so full and delighted, and I'm just warm and excited inside for you. No, but I'll never get there if I never have any discipline or duty. Correct. 
Sometimes I do it straight out of delight. Sometimes I do it starting with duty, and it turns into delight. Does that answer your question? I mean, does that help? Man, maybe bring it into focus. I think I think what uh, some somewhat of what you're saying is that human beings, us, are fluctuating people. We're not always doing yep. things for the exact same reason at all times. Like you said, there's there's times in in our lives where we're um, where we're reluctant to read scripture or reluctant to evangelize but the obedience to do God's um, God's will yeah and obedience is not a bad word it's not a bad word because when we walk in obedience then we have a clear conscience and it's part of the, the it is part of the delight it's like you just know whether whether anyone's looking or whether anything's changing that isn't you know significant and colossal in your life as far as you can tell but sometimes just the simple steps of obedience are really really key. Let me give an example. I want to go back to this. This kind of this kind of bridging into some more of the practical hows, and I said it briefly on the last podcast. Don't underestimate the power of a simple invitation. Mm. Asking someone, "Hey, would you read?" I use the essential of Jesus. It's a it's a paperback copy of the Gospel of Luke, and I say, "Hey, would you read this with me?" You can mark it up, and it's just it. You know, it's got a presentation of the gospel in the end, but you can say, "Hey, would you meet up with me for coffee and let's read this?" That's a, that's an invitation. Would you come to church with me? Would you consider? You know, hey, it could be a, it could be an occasion. Like I always, you know, anytime that I, a friend of ours is, you know, getting baptized, I say, "Hey, encourage them to invite you know invite family, invite friends to come to church." You know, whether it's a maybe it's something significant, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just like you had a conversation about spirituality and say, "Hey, as." As an outworking, why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? Why don't you read part of the gospel with me? Hey, can I pray for you? That's an initiative. You're taking your... Is there a way that I could pray for you? Let me give another example. I remember years ago in college, uh, there was a guy who was um, familiar with the gospel, not walking with Christ. Um, was It was a Friday afternoon, and he was about to go fishing um, down at the, 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 the lake at our college campus. His name is Bubba. No surprise there. <laughs> Bubba's going fishing. Uh, Bubba heads down. He's walking down the hill. Um, he's probably going to do Friday night after he goes fishing all the same things that he's done um, with some of these fraternities who are recruiting. A very popular guy. He's the captain of the basketball team. No, no lack of, of interest in, uh, you know, you know, girls and partying in, in a typical college you know, fraternity scene. He's walking down the hill to go fishing. And a guy named Randy, um, who I was friends with, saw Bubba and said, Hey, Bubba, what are you doing? I'm going fishing. Yeah, obviously, you're going fishing. Um, but, hey, listen, what are you doing this weekend? Why don't you come with us up to this? We're going on. We're going under a Christian retreat. We're going we're gonna to meet people, build some friendships, and study God's Word. And at that moment, Bubba said, Okay. Walked back to his dorm, <laughs> grabbed, grabbed his sleeping bag, grabbed his clothes, and he headed out to the retreat. His life was forever changed that weekend. Forever changed. Through the simple? Through a simple invitation. invitation. Life-altering, okay? I'm talking life-altering, course redirection. It brought hope into his life. It brought joy. He was, he was ready to truly commit. He thought he was a believer. But he knew that there was things out of whack in his life. And he discovered that God's spirit discovered him. God pursued him. God sought him. Just like this past Sunday, remember Zacchaeus. I think Zacchaeus was just as surprised that he was up in that tree as anyone else. I don't, I don't, think, he had any, I don't think he had any self-awareness like, who's looking at me? He probably got up there and goes, 
I can't believe I'm up here. Bubba walked back. I can't believe I'm not going fishing. I'm going to go put my fishing pole down, and I'm going to grab my, my, my stuff, and I'm going to go on a Christian retreat this weekend. He was probably surprised, but he was curious, and God was at work, and his life was changed. Who's to say that you can't be one of those people? Amen. Well, I'd love to get into some more. I'd love to get into some more house and, and practical stuff. Um, we've already spent thirty minutes here, John. Any any closing thoughts? Um, not really, other than um, I think we need more Randy and Bubba's up in <laughs> up in New England. <laughs> well. Here's the deal, folks. I know that folks say, look, Troy, this is your deal. This is your professional religious person. You have the the gift of evangelism. I won't deny that, uh, but I will encourage you with this. All of you have more opportunities, and it's more surprising to people when you bring up the gospel than it is than I do. You've got a network of of, people know you. John, you're a prime example. People know your life before Christ and now after Christ. It's true. Okay? That that speaks volumes, and you could go to them and say, "I want to tell you, God's changed my life," and you could be used. So, just because someone doesn't have the gift of evangelism doesn't mean it's not part of their duty. Amen. That day when Randy saw Bubba and he said, "I need to go ask him," he he was excited about going on the retreat. Randy was along with a, a group of other people. That that was that was a step of obedience. It may or not may or may not have been comfortable for him. It was a step of faith and obedience. But even if you don't have the gift of look, I don't have the gift of compassion and mercy. I know Christians who do. It doesn't mean that I'm no longer right. responsible to show mercy and compassion to other people. Well, it's not my gift. It's not my thing. It's not what I'm gifted and suited to do. It doesn't mean you can't do it. it. Doesn't mean I'm not supposed to do it. If God puts a person in my path that needs compassion that I can show mercy to, I don't get to say, not my deal, not my not my role. I have to say, oh boy, this is playing to my weakness and I need God's help. I've got to love on this person and it's not going to be easy. But guess who gets the glory? Guess who gets the praise and the thanks and the honor? Well, it's definitely not me. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not us. We're just the message messengers and he is uh, bringing the message and the hope. So... All right. Well, write in, folks. If yeah. you got questions, if you if you run into objections, um, please write in. All right. Thank you for listening. This has been Grace Unfolding, and uh, catch us back next time. <laughs>